What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Can I uh, start the show like this? It's great to be back. And I think I say this or act like this on behalf of everybody in the listening area. Okay? I'm done with the snow. When the Stanley Cup playoffs are on, you should be able, like, tonight I should be able to get home, go to my barbecue, barbecue, peer through the window in my sandals and shorts, and watch the Oilers kick the King's butt around the ice again. Hopefully this time for three periods. But no, no, I'm going to have to use the air fryer or order take-in or something, take-out or something, bring it in, because it's a winter wonderland. Is it January 15th or 19th or April 19th? Ridiculous. Welcome back, man. I'm just happy I left yesterday from Grand Forks. And they have more snow than we do. Crazy. Anyway, uh, yeah. without further ado, let's get to it because he's got a very busy schedule and he's on hold. Our friend Bob Stoffer, color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers radio network. Yeah, Stoff, I'm fired up. I'm fired up because, damn it, I had a drive home yesterday. So the night before, I stayed up late with my son in his apartment eating pizza. Oilers are going to win. And then they choked again. A two-goal lead, they choked away again. Please tell me it's going to be different tonight. All right, if you're going to bring this to the table, I'm going to bring it back at you. First of all, you're Canadian. Like, you know what? Our forefathers fought in crap holes like Dieppe to battle for us in snow in the worst possible conditions possible, and you're sitting there whipping out in a nice house where you got a barbecue because there's a little bit of suck-it-up buttercup. Do you have snow? Hey, Stopper, Stopper, do you have snow there? I don't think so. No, it's sunny at about 12. Yeah, years. so shut your mouth, Stopper. <laughs> secondly, 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 are we going to win tonight? Because I'm tired. At the Leafs, the, 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 listen, the Leafs start slow and then pick up steam. Didn't really happen last night. On the other side, because the Oilers fan base and the Leafs, you know, Oilers and Leafs are kind of always, uh, the, the fan bases are always drawing comparisons to each other. The Oilers start strong and blow two goal leads. Please, Tell me it's going to be different tonight. 
Where, where were you for the previous month when Edmonton went 14 and one They didn't blow any leads. What are you doing for me now lately, Stoffer? Hey, holy cow, you are, I'm telling you, you are, are you like this on Riders broadcast as well? Yes, yes, the, yes. By the way, did they, did they make the playoffs last year? No, I'm a cheerleader with right. an edge. No, they didn't make it last year. <laughs> Don't even ask me about the Elks because nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> but but ser- but seriously, look, this, you're down on the final 16 in the NHL. Mm-hmm. There are good. Te- the LA Kings finished five points behind Edmonton in the regular season. This isn't for you old schoolers that are listening right now. This isn't like Edmonton and LA back in 1980 uh, in 1981-82 when the Kings finished 48 points behind Edmonton in the regular season and somehow won a best of five in five games. Mm-hmm. One game, Michael, it's a best of one. It's not a best of seven. The Oilers lost game one last year to L.A. as well. L.A. is a better team. on. They didn't have Drew Doughty last year. The Oilers are lucky they don't have to, have to face Kevin Fiala. He's not playing tonight as well. Todd McClellan is a really good coach, all right? A top five coach in this league for the last 15 years. That organization's ahead of where they're supposed to be. Um, it was always going to be a tough series. I'm the owner's broadcaster. I was telling people before it's going to go six games. These teams don't like each other, and you got to respect how good the Kings are, too. And you know what? It's, a, it's, a ba- it's not a bad loss because the team played well. But it's the way they lost, it's frustrating because of the amount of penalties they took. The one in overtime, I didn't like that call, but they earned all the other ones they got in that mm-hmm. game. And they took some momentum away from themselves. They didn't finish off the game when they had the chance. It's a learning experience. And during the in a in a league where you got to win 16 games to win the Stanley Cup, you are going to face some adversity along the way. Just like those poor SOBs that sat there and fought for our freedom in the first and second war in the trenches, froze, froze on half the time, not wondering whether or not they'd ever see their families again. And you're sitting there complaining about a little bit of stone. So, uh, Bob Stoffer, color commentator in the Oilers Radio Network, you are right. Those soldiers showed up every day and battled hard. <clears throat> are the Oilers yeah. is the Oilers' first line going to show up tonight? Are they actually going to show up tonight? Am I going to notice? Am I going to notice them on the ice? I'll tell you this right now. It's the first time. And listen, he can do, he can have a he can have kind of an off game because God knows he's otherworldly, and I'm all in McJesus's yeah. camp. But shoot the puck, Connor. You scored 64 goals. Don't pass it. That's where the game turned. You're right. That is the sequence that turned the game. And I was thinking the same thing. You've been shooting for the last year and a half. That's what's made you even a more dangerous threat. There's an old saying. There's a coach by the name of Tommy McVie. I don't know if you remember. Yes, I do. But he, he's, And for years, he was a pro scout into his late 70s. And he used to have a great saying. There's two places you never pass backwards or do a back pass at home and on the road (laughs) because nothing ever good comes from it and as that play and it was a great defensive play by uh, uh, Gavrikov who came over from Corpus Sal and it's it's funny because when we were in Columbus uh, in February the Oilers fell behind 4-0 and Jack Campbell had a miserable start and then Edmonton pumped 49 shots on goal in Corpus Sal they ended up winning 6-4 with an empty netter but yep. the owners dominated that game, and Corpus Salo beat Edmonton twice in the regular season and faced 85 shots in those games, and he faced 40-plus shots the other night. So, uh, But that, that sequence did change the game. I mean, you're playing 4-4. Four four. 
you got two of the world's three or four best players out there, McDavid and Drysaddle, and Connor had a chance to drive the net, and he has done that all year, and the Oilers got too deselective, and that sequence kind of changed the complexion and the makeup of the hockey game. But I've, I've learned this over the years. Don't bet against Connor McDavid being capable of doing anything. No, so, I know. That's, that's that's done. And, and, and by the way, Mike, the Oilers lost game one last year against L.A. They lost game one against Calgary, and I sat there in the second period in Calgary when it was 3-1 Flames, and I'm thinking to myself, we, you know, the Oilers could be in trouble here. Well, not exactly. Not so fast. Edmonton came back and basically crushed the spirit and will of the Calgary Flames the restful way of that series. And Goodrow, you know, didn't resign, and Kachuk basically forced the trade out of there. It is a best of seven. We'll see what kind of juice the Oilers bring. But I can all but guarantee you tonight, Connor McDavid will be a much more dynamic presence out of the ice. Yeah, okay, and I and that's kind of where I'm kind of, you know, that's where I'm holding in my bank account. I look into it, and as an Oiler fan, I see Connor McDavid there. I'm like, okay, everything, everything's good. You know he's going to play well. But, but, do they, they can't afford to go down 2-0, can they? they got to win this game. You know, uh, in 2017, they were up 2-0 against Anaheim. Now, I, I, they played really well in Game 1. Didn't play great in Game 2, but stole Game 2. And I'm still, to this day, a little bit frustrated that the Oilers couldn't close that series out. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had... Today, they would have won Game 5 because the, uh, uh, there would have been a goaltender interference that would have disallowed the game-tying goal. Remember, the Kings' yep. first team in NHL history to come back with three goals in the final four minutes of a game. Um. Yeah, you know, I, 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 this is. I won't say it's do or die, but it's a game you can't afford to lose. They got. They got to. It's funny because Todd McClellan said today he goes, if we play like we did the other night, we're not going to beat this team in the series. So he, but the irony is his team's up one nothing. Yeah, no, well, and he. That's, that's part of that's part of hockey, right? Like, you know, hockey's a game because of the goaltending factor, because of bounces. You know, I'm not going to sit here. It's a loser's lament to whine about officiating, but I didn't like the overtime call against Deshernay. But the play on Bouchard with two minutes left in the game, he cross-checks a guy right in the chest. That's a penalty. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Like, yeah. and Bouchard had had a great game. So the owners kind of shot themselves a bit in that foot. In the foot, uh, they got, and as a result, they Matthias Janmark. You know, I mean, he didn't skate today. He might be out of the lineup. He's been a very effective yeah. six forward for Edmonton. They, you know, and that's because they killed too many penalties, and he ended up blocking shots on a, what some might say was an unnecessary PK. Oilers, uh, one of these has got to happen. Edmonton's got to play more discipline, and uh, they got to crash the crease and funnel more pucks on the goal. They can't sit there and try to pass the puck into the net. Well, thank you very much for talking me off the ledge. I'll pay you double for the counseling fee. We didn't have a couch in here, so that was a bit of a problem. But we'll work that in next time. I, I, I just for the record, I do drink Bailey's. Okay, good. <laughs> you, can always, you can always go that route as well. Well, I'm coming to Edmonton uh, one or two times this year, so maybe we can hook up. Are they going to let you in the province? Well, they bet. They bet. I'm going to be wearing my Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup champion T-shirt when I come. Well, we got a lot of fans of the province of Saskatchewan, as you know. We yeah. always appreciate it. Yeah. You know, you never go wrong, Michael. You never go wrong with guys from the letter S. You do not. And Sweden and Saskatchewan, and a rule of thumb in hockey, most agents will tell you that. Uh, usually the guys from Saskatchewan, the guys from Sweden are real good guys. Yep, absolutely, man. Thanks very much for your time, Bob. Anytime. Take care, Mike. Take care. That's good. That's a little... Uh... <laughs>
little scolding from Bob Stoffer. I always love uh, listening to him and then watching him in the intermissions during their uh, broadcast during the season. We don't get him during the playoffs here, unfortunately, there. Anyway, all right, when we come back, we'll hear from Dante DeCary. We'll talk some Western Hockey League action. And he's got a Bedard story he wanted to uh, share, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. So fired up, I didn't even know what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs> we don't talk to Dante till uh, 3.30, sorry. Yeah. Um, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been very interesting, and you can weigh in at 936-6262. That's the number to text. Powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests, like Bob Stoffer, come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Um, yeah, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been real interesting. Yesterday, Tampa scored four power play goals en route to a 7-3 thrashing of the Leafs in Game 1 of their series. Now, Leafs forward Michael Bunting was assessed a match penalty in game misconduct for an illegal check to the head on Eric Chernak. He's going to be out for Game 2, so uh, he has a hearing. We haven't heard any update yet. Bunting is a guy that likes to flop. So people don't like him for that. Draws penalties, but then that was the cheap shot too. So he should get at least one, if not two games. We will see what happens there. Um, the Leafs... Oh, um, they suck. Well, I don't know if they don't suck, but they do need oh. they do need better goaltending and better defense. This is Patrick from Patrick, who listens to the show. Um, in their last 11 playoff games, the Leafs are 3-8. and eight. And why do you ask? Well, they've given up 40 goals. Wow. The teams that win Stanley Cups don't give up almost 3.7 goals a game. I was going to say four goals a game. And the blue line looks pretty slow. At least it did last night. Now, that series is far from over. And Chernak has the head injury. And, of course, uh, Victor Hedman, the big all-world defenseman, didn't play after the first period. So we'll have to see what kind of... Um, what kind of uh, you know, effect that will have. I will tell you this. Generally in a series, <clears throat> like like in football when I'm picking, mm-hmm. I take the team with the better quarterback, generally. And in, in hockey, I take the team with the more solid net minding, okay, that can make the big save when you have to. Unless the other team's loaded with a lot of stars. That's why I kind of like the Oilers over the Kings. Like, I think Skinner's a soft with Corpusalo, even though Corpusalo has the Oilers' number standing on his head, as Bob Stoffer said. But the Oilers have the upper-end talent. So I think Edmonton will probably win that series in the end. Are they done if they lose tonight? Uh, Going down 2-0 uh, on the way back yeah, to LA. I think Yeah, I think they could be. Or or McDavid will have to do something otherworldly because can you do you want to try to win four of the last five? Mm, I think it's done if they lose tonight, man. It's going to be very interesting. Anyway, uh, Jets goalie Connor Hellebuck had to make just 16 saves as Winnipeg dominated Vegas 5-1 in Game 1 of their series. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is the much better goalie there. Jonathan Quick's the backup. They'll probably uh, move him into the starting role now. Laurent Brassois, who was the Euler goalie, then went to the Jets and backed up Connor Hellebuck, now goes to Vegas. He was in net last night. I wouldn't say he was atrocious, but he wasn't as good as Connor Hellebuck. And when you only give up 16 shots, and when Connor Hellebuck only has to stop 16 shots, gives up one goal, so 17 shots, you've done a pretty good job defensively. And how about Morgan Barron? Took a skate to the face, right by his right eye, 75-plus stitches, and was back. Mm-hmm. A period later. I thought that was a typo when I read that. 75 stitches. Like, hockey that's at play- least a couple inches. Hockey players. Uh, now, football is a more physical sport. So, in general, football players are tougher. But I think if you had to, in big game situations and things, there are more 
Morgan Barons than there are Matt Dunnigans, where a guy gets shot up and plays the whole game at quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think hockey players are tougher. Uh, Chris Kreider scored twice as the Rangers spanked the Devils 5-1 in Game 1 of their series, playing in their first ever Stanley Cup playoff game. The Seattle Kraken beat the Avs um, 3-1, to so that's one nothing in favor of Seattle. So of the teams that are down 0-1, so I guess Seattle's up one nothing, Minnesota's up one nothing. You had Sam Steele on the um, on the show yesterday. The Oilers are down one nothing. Which of those? Like, do you think all three of those series will go back to level, even? Mm. Abs will even theirs up on home yeah. ice. I think I think the I think the Wild and Stars will probably go game six, game seven. Yeah, but do you think it'll be level after tonight? Like yeah, it'll I do. be. And, and what about Edmonton, L.A.? I think Edmonton wins tonight. Okay. I think it seems like I don't watch too many Oilers games, but yeah. like recent memory, it feels mm-hmm. like when McDavid has a really bad game, he comes back and has a couple goals. So we'll see what happens. So we'll see what happens. Score a couple By times the way, tonight. I want to say Mark this. I want to say this. The NHL playoff format has to change. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Like at the very least, one to eight. But I said they should go one versus sixteen, two versus fifteen, three versus fourteen. And so on and so forth. Get rid of the conferences. Back when I was like starting to love Oilers hockey when they were like nine, that's when they, when I was nine, that's when they beat the Habs in 1981 when the Habs were kind of on that team going down and the Oilers were the up and coming team and they swept them in a best of five. That's, that's kind of how I'd like to see it where if you're going to have an upset, it has to be a true upset. Like Winnipeg is, Winnipeg and Vegas. Yeah, like I know. Winnipeg is that's not an easy draw for a team that won their conference. Uh-huh. Now you're gonna have granted, you're gonna have teams that are, you know, a one hundred and nine point team like the Oilers playing the one hundred and four point team, and one of those good teams is gonna be done. You'll still have it in the other way around, but more often than not, it'll be a truer indication of a championship. And don't give me this, oh the travel. They take charters, man. Even one versus eight gives you what you want, yeah, doesn't it? Like it kind of does. A one seed versus eight. Well, even I like mean, the Western the Hockey League, even like the Come Western on. Hockey League playoffs, you got the Blades and Red Deer. Rebels. Red Deer finishes se- down three zero. Yeah, Red Deer <laughs> they'll be swept. Yeah. Red Deer finishes second. Okay, but when the playoffs come, Saskatoon gets home ice because they had more points. Well, why not just go one versus eight and don't don't worry about any of that stuff? I I don't. I don't. I can't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, by the way, um, if you want to get out of the, uh, if you want to have a nice long playoff run in hockey, especially in the Western Hockey League playoffs, you got to, you definitely got to get out of that first round fairly fast. This from Matt Young at CTV Saskatoon. Since 1994, 33 teams have won a first round WHL playoff series in seven games. 22 of those teams lost in round two. Um, like seven game series are in ten or eleven days, like the Pats and Blades. Mm-hmm. So you can't blame the Blades for not having any. Yeah, juice. they're gassed. They're gassed. They're done. And they're done. Bye-bye. And how about the Warriors? Eight four over the ice. We're gonna hear from James Gallo a little later on. Maybe the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Maybe one of the players in that game yesterday could be one of our clutch performers Ooh, today. Can't wait huh? to hear that. Can't huh? wait to hear huh? that. Huh? Okay, we will have Dante DeCaria coming up after three yeah. thirty, and Andy McNeil, our betting expert. NHL betting expert from VEASAN. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 331 with the sports ticker for the Keniston Super Draft. There's $80,000 in prize money to be won during the NHL playoffs in this year's Keniston Super Draft. Let's talk some NHL playoffs. 
The Edmonton Oilers will try to tie the series up tonight before heading out west. Kings and Oilers game two at 8 p.m. The Minnesota Wild look to go up two games in Dallas. Former Pat Sam Steele, he scored in game one. It was great to have him on the show yesterday. Wild and Stars at 7.30. Panthers and Bruins at 5.30. Patrice, Ber- uh, Patrice Bergeron rather will not play tonight for the Bruins due to an injury. And the Islanders down one game. And they go into Carolina tonight, try to tie things up at 1. That game starts at 5 p.m. Blue Jays and Astros tonight, winner takes the series. Jose Barrios gets the start on the mound for Toronto. 6-10 opening pitch from Minute Maid Park in Houston. Lacrosse is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan Rush. A fourth quarter meltdown on Saturday night ended the Saskatchewan Rush's playoff hopes. Stotts now at the empty net. Denny Ice is at 15-11 as the Saskatchewan Rush now 73 seconds away from their second straight season of missing the playoffs. Yeah, the Rush allowed a whopping nine fourth quarter goals, turning a 9-6 lead into a 15-11 loss against the visiting Halifax Thunderbirds. And that setback drops Saskatchewan's record to 6-10 and with two games to play and, as mentioned, ensures that they will miss the playoffs for a second straight season. They'll wrap up their campaign with a home contest next Saturday against the Colorado Mammoth, followed by an April 29th road game against the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. So, yeah, it is a bummer for Saskatchewan Rush fans. No playoffs for another year. However, the Sastel Center, it won't be quiet for long because the Saskatchewan Rattlers set the tip off their season, and the Rush Report will be turning into the Rattler Report in just a few weeks. I know we're a sports show, but hit us up. We're all in this together, this stupid winter storm, even though it's spring. 936-6262, our text line. You want to weigh in on the sports topics of the day? That'd be great, but you want to let us know the road conditions and all that type of stuff? We'd love to uh, pass that along, too. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Mall. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Before we get to our next guest on a loaded show, the 109th Grey Cup and 2022 Grey Cup Festival generated nearly $68 million in economic activity in Canada, with almost $26 million coming to Saskatchewan's GDP. A new study by Sport Tourism Canada has found the event yielded $22.8 million in wages and salaries in Canada through the support of 388 jobs, of which 291 jobs and almost $17 million in wages and salaries were right here in Saskatchewan. So that's why you bid and host an event like this. When people bitch and moan about, oh, waste the taxpayers' money and this and that, that's why you build the stadium. That's why you do things like this, okay? community pride good for your community world and juniors maybe world in a couple juniors, of years Come on, uh, let's yeah go. we had the memorial cup in here which was great time now to head out and and probably why the pats kept Connor bedard around when, when a lot of people were like why don't they trade him well first of all he didn't want to be traded number two he uh definitely uh the blades and the pats ownership groups would be very happy and uh, other teams in the western hockey league here after the uh, world juniors all right uh, let's talk to the voice of the regina pats dante DeCaria, joining us on the western pizza hotline before we get to the Connor bedard story you wanted to pass along dante um let's talk about the playoffs here uh are you surprised at all the moose jaw warriors who were 
competitive with Winnipeg in the regular season? Are they? Are you surprised? An eight-four game last night and up two games to one. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I'm not surprised that they have a two-win series lead. I'm just kind of baffled with the score that was last night. And obviously, game four is coming up shortly. But hey, you know what? Like, kudos to Moose Jaw. They're a good team, and you guys have to remember. And obviously, you guys know this, but. They were without four key players throughout the latter half of the season due to, you know, some suspensions for the remainder of regular season. Their top goaltender's back. Their, I'd say, third or fourth best defenseman is back into the lineup as well. So, hey, Moose Jaw's, you know, in full force right now. They're a very talented team. Um, I think they're a very good four seed, to be quite honest with you. And uh, I'm not really surprised that they've taken Winnipeg to a 2-1 series lead, but uh, this series is not over. I expect it to go seven games. So... Uh, with regards to Winnipeg, do you think the ice are there next year in Winnipeg? I mean, I don't really have anything to back it up, whether they are or aren't. I haven't heard anything like like other than the rumors that I've read online that everyone else has read. But mm-hmm. personally, to be quite honest with you, and I love Brian Munns, and I would I don't want to see him out of a job. So it's it's tough for me to talk about Michael, but I, I they need a new rink. Like it's just not it's not feasible. It, it just isn't like. Uh, this year was really frustrating going to Winnipeg, especially with having Bedard, because uh, there's really like it, it's just it, like it just didn't work. You know, like th- there was no way for him to get into the rink without having to go through a whole parking lot of people, right? Which I think mm-hmm. was difficult. And obviously, these are different circumstances because you don't always get a player like this, Michael. But again, just even for being a WHL player, just a little bit of privacy, right? There's people all around. Um, you don't get your dressing room until like a couple of hours before the game, which is just insane. We would have to load up. I remember loading our stuff into like a back room at the rink or keeping it on the bus and then going there first thing in the morning to unload because, you know, X amount of people were using the rink before and there was a U sports game um, hours before our game, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there, there's just a lot of obstacles there. All right, so this is an interesting stat from Matt Young from CTV Saskatoon. You're a stats man yourself, so you probably knew this or knew of this. But since 1994, 33 teams have won a first-round WHL playoff series in seven games. 22 of those teams lost in round two. Looks like the Blades are about to do that. They're running out of gas here in round two. I hate to say it, but... Um... I have a lot of respect for Brennan Sonny and his staff and the way that team plays. I'm shocked that they're down 3 nothing in that series, and it's going to be tough for him to climb back. I don't see them coming back in that series. Like Brennan Sonny said in a lot of his interviews, at least after Game 7, if they lose Game 3 against Regina, they're done, right? So what does that say about Game 4 coming in Red Deer, right? So I'm shocked that it's, it's 3 nothing Red Deer, Although maybe I shouldn't say that because Red Deer's a really good team. I just think Saskatoon's better. Like, I really like the Blades. I think they're a really good team, and, and I'm quite surprised by this. Interesting. Okay, uh, we're short on time. So, I, well, we got a couple minutes here. So I want you to uh, talk about, uh, I heard you when I was uh, traveling down to visit my son on with the boys, but uh, you had an extra Bedard story you wanted to get to. So tell me about it. Yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to kind of pass along to the fans here in Regina that Connor Bedard and his family did not want to leave. You know, they loved it here. They loved Regina. They loved the community. And it was difficult for him and his family to to move back to Vancouver at the end of the season. I know Connor was quite disappointed with how the postseason ended. He really wanted to get this team out of the first round, and he put a lot of weight on his shoulders on that. And that's just what kind of makes him such a special player. He's dialed in at all times. And 
um, you know, he wanted to get this this team in the community to the second round, and unfortunately it didn't happen, but they were very close to doing so. And just from kind of spending time with him on the last day, you know, the locker room cleanup and stuff like that, his, ex- his exit interview was 9 a.m. on would have been last Wednesday. He didn't leave the rink until 6 p.m. Everyone else was gone, right? Usually you do your exit interview, you clean up your locker, and then you get out of there. He didn't want to leave. He wanted to say bye and hug every single one of his teammates that came through that day, whether you were a black ace call-up, a 15-year-old like Cole Temple, or you know just a regular guy on the team. It did not matter who you were. He wanted to stay there and say goodbye to all of his teammates that came through that day. And so he stayed the whole day. And it wasn't just his teammates. He wanted to spend time with John Paddock, the coaching staff, the training staff, uh, the front, the office staff. He came by the business office to you know, say hi to everybody and, and wish them all the best and, you know, have, hope everybody was doing well. Like, for a 17-year-old kid to be like that is, is quite remarkable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as the day came to a close, I remember standing there uh, just as we were kind of locking up and, you know, cleaning up everything and stuff like that. He goes and just sits. I just look over, and he's sitting on the bench just staring at the ice. And I don't know how long he stayed there, but it was for a while. And he just looked at the ice and just took it all in. And then, you know, I got in my car and I started driving away and I look and he walks into the parking lot. He leans up against his car and I don't know how long he stayed there, but I'm pretty sure it was for a while and just looked at the brand center, just stared at it. And it was kind of incredible the moment because I remember looking in my rearview mirror and I could see him standing there leaning up against his car and the sun was just shining down on him. And I was kind of like, is this for real? Like, am I pinching myself? Is this a movie? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I think fans should just, should just be happy that some that he loved it here that much. Whereas at the trade deadline, everybody was calling for him to be traded. Everybody wanted him out of town. Everybody wanted the assets back. But yes, those assets are are, are big. But like this is a I don't know how often you got you get a guy from a big city of Vancouver that comes to a little community in Regina and loves it here and loves the organization, loves the team, loves the rink. He, 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 most guys would be sprinting to the door that are going to be drafted first overall. Like, yeah. like Michael, wh- wh- when do you see this kind of stuff? You, you, don't, you don't. You don't. You don't. No, you didn't see it on the ice, and you don't see it off the ice. Great uh, great person, and uh, comes from a great family, and we're all going to watch with anticipation the obvious first overall selection and then what he does when he makes the show. Hey, we'll have you on again. It's going to be a great off season. Lots to talk about. Thanks, Dante. Appreciate it. You got it, Michael. Appreciate it. All right. When we come back, Andy McNeil from VEASAN talking some betting and what we can expect maybe tonight. It's a sports cage on 620 CKRM. Lots of hockey talk on the show on this snowy Wednesday in downtown Regina. Yes, spring will come, apparently. Apparently it will. Although right now it's just a rumor like a fourth or fifth Edmonton Oilers power play. Hopefully they can get that tonight. Andy McNeil joining us here from VEASAN, our betting expert on the NHL. Andy, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Michael. How are you? Good, man. Are you like me? Like, you're on the betting side, but when you watch these games, sometimes it feels like uh, the rule book goes out the window in the NHL. Like in football, if you hit a quarterback below the knees, whether it's, uh, let's say, CFL, July or November, Grey Cup time, it's a penalty. In the NHL, uh, what's a penalty in the regular season isn't in the playoffs, and what's a penalty in the first period of the playoffs isn't in the third period. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and the, the inconsistency from series to series uh, is, is the biggest thing for me. I think that the way that some of these 
officials call things in in one matchup, and then you watch uh, another another game later on in the same evening, and you see things called a, a totally different way. It's almost as if it's two different leagues, and I think that's that's the biggest problem for me when trying to you know handicap the sport uh, and and take into account officiating is that. Um, you really, you really can't get a read on on any of these games until things kind of get underway. But I, I think in these matchups, you see the officiating crews kind of set the tone early, and you know, maybe we'll see things even out a little bit as the, the the playoffs go on. As a betting guy, are you surprised six of the first eight game uh, game ones went to the visitors? You know, I'm, I'm I don't want to sound boring, but I'm almost never surprised. I mean, like I, I this, you know, this stuff happens. Uh, and it's a it's a crazy sport. Um, I, I, I suspect we'll see some of these teams get back in the, the their respective series uh, tonight and tomorrow night. But uh, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, the, the the parody in the NHL. Um, I know we saw some pretty good teams this year. You know, Boston, of course, the Oilers. But um, the, the, the you know every team in the NHL playoffs uh, is capable of winning a playoff series uh, against anybody. Uh, if if things go right for them. So not surprised. Uh, I think we'll see things even out a little bit as as time goes on here, though. So, Andy, uh, in terms of tonight's games, is there anything in particular from a game standpoint or an individual standpoint that jumps off the board at you tonight? So tonight I'm riding my Bruins series wager, which is uh, a series spread, a series puck line, one and a half games. I need them to win in six or fewer games. So that's off to a good start. And I've got them to cover uh, a 0.5 goals, half a goal, win the first period at plus 140 tonight. I'm looking for Boston to get off to a better start. They kind of, you know, slept walk, played in low gear for the first two periods of game one until really turning it on in the third period. Obviously, it it sucks that Patrice Bergeron isn't going to be back in the lineup, uh, you know, for Bruins backers. But um, I think think that that Boston's showed their, their... more than capable of, of dealing with the Panthers. Uh, and, and if they can turn it on tonight from the get-go, uh, I think they'll win another game and go up 2-0. How about this Edmonton-Los Angeles series? The Oilers and the Leafs are kind of similar. See, the Leafs, uh, they don't start well, they come back late. The Oilers generally start well and blow games like they did against the LA Kings. How do you see that one going tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, well, my handicap worked out in the, in the first game because I had the Oilers to win the first period. I know, you know, you hear them talk about being a more mature team, uh, and I thought that would maybe be reflected uh, in the first period considering they lost each of the first games of each series in, in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. So I thought they wanted to get off to the right on the right foot uh, in this one, and they did. Um, but they weren't able to hold on, like you said, and, and they, they let the Los Angeles Kings get back into this one, making some mistakes uh, defensively, just not being all that disciplined. Uh, I think Edmonton, like the odds are in their favor, right? They're, you know, in all likelihood, they're going to tie the series up. But uh, obviously the Kings showed us, just like last year, that you can't really underestimate them. They pushed the Oilers to seven games uh, in 2022, and I think both teams are improved. Uh, obviously, the Oilers were arguably the best team down the stretch in the NHL heading into the playoffs, but the Kings were pretty good, too. Um, I don't have my money on and, and any side in this one right now. I'm looking for you know opportunities to maybe jump in because, look, we saw some swings in game one where the lead changed hands and, uh, you know, the team that was leading eventually lost the game. So definitely some, some in-game opportunities, but 
Um, Connor McDavid has, has yet to make his mark in this series, and I'm sure that'll happen. So it'll be interesting to see how tonight goes. The Oilers and Dallas were in the same boat. Like, Dallas controlled a lot of that hockey game against Minnesota as well and just couldn't get the bounces in the wild one. Uh, uh, do, you feel I, like, do you feel this I one? I kind of have a different opinion on that okay. one. I think the Wild okay. played a pretty good game. And I think, in you know, regulation, I mean, they had the better, they had the share of the, you know, a better share of the shots and scoring chances. And uh, things just kind of got away from them in overtime. But, yeah, I, I think that series is another one that's, going to probably get evened up <laughs> yeah so 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 andy let's that was going to be my question who has a better chance of taking a 2-0 lead minnesota or los angeles oh i'm gonna say the wild i'm gonna say the wild first of all the wild has philip Gustafson. Uh, i think who could by the end of this series you know be the uh, the next Jake Ottinger. <laughs> like, uh, I think he's, he's got a lot of pedigree. Everybody knows Jake Ottinger because of what he's done in the, the playoffs already. He had that amazing performance against Calgary. But um, Gustafson's a high draft pick, too, second-round draft pick. He's got potential to be, a, you know, a, a bona fide starter in this league, especially after this season. And I think in a lot of ways he was he was better than Ottinger down the stretch. So I'm going to go with the Wild as far as being, you know, the underdog that has a better chance of going up 2-0. Were you shocked last night to see the Tampa Lightning roll the Leafs? I was. I finally bet on the Leafs, and that's what I get. And that's what I get. Yeah, you know, I was I was a little bit shocked. I think it was a jarring result, especially for anybody that was maybe had some high expectations for Toronto. I had Toronto winning the series fifty nine percent of the time, so it didn't actually result in a bet on the Leafs for me, which I was kind of relieved on. Last year, I bet the Lightning. I still thought Tampa Bay was the the better team last year, but I really, I really thought that Toronto had a had a big edge in a lot of areas heading into this series, and I still do. So, uh, you know, if they're able to overcome that loss and and you know start fresh in Game Two and and hopefully even the series, I think uh, this one will stretch on to six or seven games and you know potentially go either way. But I I, I do think Toronto's the deeper team. You need Ilya Samsonov to 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 hold up in the the, the, the future games, so he can't have another game like he had in game one now generally you get one or two upsets in the first round of the stanley cup playoffs it's always the best round i kind of had the islanders over carolina that was a tight game the other one i had uh was the jets i think uh the jets you got to go with the better goaltending generally in a series it's kind of like quarterbacking and the jets have the better goaltender and i think we saw that last night although he didn't get a lot of work hellebuck yeah i mean the jets were kind of my big stance heading into the first round as well. I, I thought out of any of the underdogs, they had the best chance. And I mean, after last night, I don't think they, they should be looked at as an underdog. Um, and that plus 130 odds in, on the money line heading into game two, I think that's a good bet. Uh, of course, I feel a little bit more comfortable considering I have the Jets to win the series at a nice, a nice price. But, um, you know, looking at how they played against Vegas, like you said, Connor Hellebuck didn't get a lot of, or didn't get a lot of action, but, when he needed to be great, he was great. And the Jets were just dominant start to finish. I don't think any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs thus far has, has been as dominant as Winnipeg was in game one. And, you know, even if they even if they bring a little bit of that to game two, I'm, I'm happy with the Jets as an underdog uh, in any game in this series. And I'll, I might even consider backing them when they get back home in Winnipeg as, a, you know, what would be probably a, a – a short price at around minus 115 or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from back in the Jets going forward. 
This is uh, our betting expert from VEASAN in the NHL, Andy McNeil. For a limited time, you can get a one-month VEASAN Pro subscription that takes you through the big game for just $9.99. You get access to their 24-7 channel, big game betting guide, pro betting tips, and more, all for uh, just under $10. I I transitioned from sports media through the world of sports betting uh, after many years, not because I don't like betting, but because I just... I had opportunities to talk about sports betting and to, to break down hockey games from a betting perspective. And uh, I'll tell you, the life of a, a pre- professional gambler is, is not an easy one. There's, not, there's, there's no surefire bets out there. In the playoffs, man, there's just so many opportunities to get involved in-game. And now don't go crazy with it. Don't bet on every single team that's trailing. But we've seen some comebacks already. Hey, lastly, I'll wrap it up on a on a hockey note, on like on a hockey player note. How about that dude from Winnipeg gets the gets the skate in the face, seventy five stitches, and he's back. Like that's crazy, Un- unbelievable. That's like a traumatizing experience for most everybody, right? Like, I mean, that is something that that will scar you for the rest of your life. Getting that kind of cut on your face, and this guy is just worried about score whether or not they scored. He misses less than a period. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know, just a different breed of a human being for sure. Andy, thanks for your time, man. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Anytime. Yeah, truly amazing, man, what's going on there in in the, in Winnipeg with the big win over uh, Vegas. But the dude, Barron, takes a, I think it's Morgan Barron, took a skate in the face, 75 stitches, comes back a period later and uh, plays. We're going to talk some more NHL hockey after 4 o'clock with former NHL ref and current ESPN rules analyst Dave Jackson. We'll ask him about that. The big hit by Regina's own Matt Dumba on uh, Joe Pavelski. Uh, the goal mouse scramble that uh, caused that cut in the face and what refs look for during that. Bunch of other stuff as well. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Like Tammy. In Calgary, Tammy Bissett listening online. She does every day. Thanks, Tammy, for listening. 936-6262, our text line. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, on this snowy Wednesday in downtown Regina, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with our friend Dave Jackson, longtime NHL official, ESPN rules analyst. Even as a referee, is the first round the best? Oh, man, I love the first round. You've got so many compelling stories. You've got... You know, you've got teams that are just scraping to get into the playoffs, and then they're up against, the, you know, the teams that are, you know, projected to win the Stanley Cup. And it's such a David versus Goliath type uh, scenario, and it's just mayhem. And I and I love it. I, I just miss being out there. You know, though, they're, like you take an Edmonton-LA series, a really good team's going to go home. The Oilers at 109 points. The Kings at 104 points. Uh, there are some good teams out in the first round. I'm not sure if I like this format in terms of how they got it. I, I I personally loved it back when I was nine years old and it was one versus 16, two versus 15, three versus 14. I thought it made the regular season more important. Even one versus eight, two versus seven. But uh, yeah, some really good teams will go home in the first round here. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's just something you got to deal with. Um you're right. When the way it was, they reseed every round, and you always had the higher seed playing the lower seed. Um, I guess this two trains of thought. I mean, what do you do, right? Some people love it. Some people love the bracket challenges, and other people just hark back to the good old days when you kept reseeding. There's no right answer, but it doesn't change the fact that the best team usually wins the cup. It's funny, right? Because you know it's perceived that. 
there are all these million-dollar hockey players. I first want to point out that the refs aren't millionaires, and a lot of the hockey players aren't millionaires. There are a chunk of them, but not everyone. But the funny thing is, for the most part, they're all playing for free right now, Dave, and they're playing their hardest. A hardest. Take, for example, that dude from Winnipeg gets a skate in the face, 75 stitches, and he's out a period later. Even as a referee, do you just shake your head about the, what these guys go through and how much they put their bodies on the line? Like, what's it like being on the ice when this is all going on? You know what? I can only speak from personal experience and the guys I worked with, but, I mean, we'd get hurt in a playoff game, and the doctor would tell you, that you know, like, you're done. I'd be like, no, I'm not done. I'm going back. And I'm willing to bet this player, this player didn't even want to put a cage on or a, a bubble. I bet you, I bet you he had the fight with his trainer and doctor and they made him wear it because they just want to get back out there. I mean, you don't even feel the pain for the most part. I mean, obviously if you break your leg or, you know, tear your ACL or something, but something like stitches, you don't even, I mean, there's so much adrenaline going. You just, just get me back out there. Yeah, absolutely. Dave Jackson joining us here, longtime NHL official and now an ESPN rules analyst. I got to get your take on this. What did you make of uh, Regina Bourne uh, Dumba's hit uh, on Pavelski in that game? Well, in real time, it really looked like uh, something something was amiss. Something, you know, uh, you see a guy make a big hit like that and you see a player on the ice motionless, you go, wow, I need to see that again. And you know, I, I can feel for the referees on the ice that those things just happen so fast. It's in a blink of an eye, and everybody says, well, how do you not react to it right away, or do you have to get together and discuss it? I mean, that's just the nature of how it is. Players are big and strong. There's no room out there. The sight lines aren't great. Um, so you've got the player lying on the ice. Dumba makes the hit. He, he, he sort of elevates as he comes through the hit. And you, it's tough to tell if there's head contact or not. So I think the process worked really well. The, the four officials got together. They determined that there was, you know, did it pass the smell test? Well, he elevated. There's now an injured player. Let's go with our gut and call a major penalty. And then it enables them to review it. And then they can either uphold the major penalty, reduce it to two, or rescind it altogether. And, and really, the first couple of replays looked like maybe it was a bit late, right? But those were all in slow motion. And the game's not refereed in slow motion or in still picture or frame by frame. When you roll that in real speed, it's less than half a second between when he releases that puck. And you can't expect the guy to stop on a dime once he's committed to make that big hit. And just because the guy releases the puck, you're still going to follow through with that big hit. They determined there was no head contact. And if there was, it was secondary. The primary point of contact was core, shoulder, chest. And I think I think they got the call right, and I and I really like how they um, use the process because that way that way the team can't be saying to the referees all night, "Well, you screwed us, you missed this call." No, we looked at it a bunch of times. We determined it was a legal hit, and um, you know the right thing was was done. I'm not a big replay guy, but they also got it right in that Tampa Toronto game on the Corey Perry jam play on the on the net there. The the referee did call it a goal on the ice, so you had to see something that overturned that, which they didn't. In fact, they got a great overhead camera angle they were showing on the CBC where it actually did show it crossed the line. So in those instances, I do agree with replay. Right. And that just confirmed the puck was across the line and then to go and make a a challenge uh, yeah. For goaltender interference, they also got that right because anytime a puck can be seen, in my opinion, anyway, as a referee, I'm not blowing the whistle. Just because it's pinned against the, the goalpost, just because it's not moving, it doesn't mean it's frozen. Uh, you can still see the puck there. They jam at it, 
uh, on a loose on a rebound situation or a loose puck, uh, they call it a puck battle in the crease. Contact is permitted. You can't say to a player you're not allowed to make contact when there's a loose puck there. So he just went after the loose puck, jammed it in. Good call all around, and um, you know that, that's just hockey. What's the protocol on that? Because that's where the Baron Morgan Baron got hurt for the Jets. There was a big scramble, like there was a shot that went through Boussois' legs, and the Jets were banging around, and there was a big uh, melee in the net, like in the crease. There was a rugby scrum. What is it from the refs' perspective? Like, is it until you can't see the puck that's when you blow it dead, or are you looking at the pile up and like there's no way that this is going to go in clean, uh, cleanly, so I better blow it dead? How does that work? Well, it's changed a little bit over the years because of the advent of replay. But first, let me say Kendrick Nicholson in his first, that was his first NHL playoff game. You see his positioning? He was yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, he was right there on the back of the net looking. He had the best view of anyone, better than an overhead camera because he's right there. Uh, when you lose sight of that puck, you want to kill the play. But there's times, and I'm going to say not a lot, but there's times you know the puck is loose. You might not be able to see it, but you know it's loose. You can tell by the reaction of everybody. And if you kill that play, there's no coming back from it. You can't suck the wind out of your whistle once you've blown the whistle. You might kill a legit good play. Whereas if you have patience, like there was a play two nights ago where the puck was sitting on the goalie's pad. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, I did. Where they, where they poked it loose. And that was great patience. The referee might not have seen where the puck was, but he knew the goalie didn't have it. You can tell by the goalie's body language he didn't have it. So you have the luxury of waiting just an extra second, and if it was in fact covered, you can challenge it, and 99% chance the video will show the puck was covered, and it'll be upheld, and you can take the goal down for goalie interference. So we tell the guys, be a little patient, because once you blow that whistle, there's no coming back from it. Dave Jackson, two players that come to mind here for me and, uh, that are antagonists. Um, I'm watching Brad Marchant, but also this Bunting, who, uh, you know, as we talk now, is having a hearing with the NHL office there for his hit on Chernak last night. Are, are those the kind of guys as a ref you have open dialogue with throughout the, the uh, game? Well, I think it's really important to have a clean slate every game, regardless of the player's reputation. I mean... There's all kinds of reputations out there. And you've got reputation of players that cheat every face-off. Right. The linesmen know that. And, but that doesn't mean they don't get a fair shake. It just means that you remind them each face-off, listen, I need your stick down. I need it stopped. And that starts every game. It's, 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 a, it's a blank slate, clean slate, and you, and you work with them. It doesn't mean you don't have your radar up. I mean, you've got guys that, make, that are known for making late hits or known for maybe headshots, you know, back in the day. It's got to be a clean slate every game. It doesn't mean your radar is not up. It doesn't mean you go, okay, so-and-so is on the ice. I got to be aware. I got to focus. I got to make sure I don't miss something. I got to make sure I don't get fooled. And yes, communication is the key. You just want to, you want to be talking with everybody during the game, just reminding them to, you know, play within the rules. Trust me. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this game safe. We don't need retaliations. Um, I think the single player out from a referee standpoint is the wrong thing to do. And I think for the most part, these guys do a really good job of, of just coming in with a clean slate every game and letting the game unfold. Now you come on with me because I think you think I'm fair as it relates to how refing is done. And so I want to point this out once again. It is not easy to be an NHL ref. It is a lot easier to sit on your couch and eat your chips and, and throw stuff at your TV because you're mad, okay? But this is one thing that has always, always, always frustrated me 
about NHL playoff hockey. A period, it seems, a period in the uh, a penalty in the first period is not a penalty in the third period, or a penalty by a certain team should be called. It's not, and then a couple of seconds later, another penalty is called against another team. And I know uh, the the prime example, the Oilers fans are really upset. Uh, feeling they got jobbed by the officials. Just talk about consistency and how how do you feel about consistency maybe back when you were refing and in today's game in terms of uh, playoff hockey? Because in football, Dave, if you hit a quarterback below the knee in September or you hit him in below the knee in February or in the case of the CFL, July to November, it's still a penalty for roughing the quarterback. It doesn't change. It hasn't changed. You don't see it change. In the NHL, it seems like sometimes the perception is the rule book goes out the window. So I want you to answer that. Well, that perception is definitely there. And, you know, it's, it's tough to overcome it. When I was starting back in the 90s, to have a penalty called in a playoff game in overtime was unheard of. And Monday night, we had a whole bunch of penalties called in in both overtime games Mm -hmm. uh so that i mean that's evolution there um i can speak to when i was at training camp every year i mean i haven't been there in five years but Mm -hmm. uh stephen walkham and gary bettman would be at training camp and they'd show us you know dozens of examples of every penalty and they say this is a penalty and then examples of, of legal plays big body checks these are legal plays we don't want these called penalties and Mr. Bettman would always leave the message is that you guys know what the standard is. We've done a good job of preparing you for the standard. And if you stay true to that standard and you call a penalty, as long as it's a legit penalty, we will support you. I don't mm-hmm. care what time of game it is. And then we have a conference call before the playoffs start and the same message gets passed. So the league does what they can to tell the referees, we want you to be consistent. We want you to keep the same standard you've had all season long. Now, that being said, you know, perfection is, is tough to achieve, and I don't think what most people realize is how fast the game is. I watched a, a – there was a missed cross-check. It wasn't the Edmonton game. There was a missed cross-check, and everybody was beating me up on Twitter saying, you know, they choose not to call that. There's no way they chose not to call it. It was missed. Penalties get missed. Those things happen. The game just mm-hmm. – it, it travels at an amazing speed. That when you sit on TV – most people on TV, when they see an infraction that happens, they don't realize an infraction until the replay shows five angles of a missed call. They don't see it in real time because it happens so fast. And that's what happens to the officials sometimes. But I'm telling you what, from 20 years ago, it's much more consistent and guys do call penalties in overtime. Because if you don't, there's a whole train of thought where people go, you know, just let the players decide the game. But that's, that's not fair either. Because by that, you're letting the lowest common denominator dictate the game and you're taking away the skilled player and the skilled plays. You need to let the skilled player produce and show us what he's got so i believe it's a, if it's a penalty call it and you'll be supported that's a good way to put it have yourself a, a good rest of the week we'll catch up later in the playoffs okay anytime michael thanks for having me time now for the cage clutch performer on 620 ckrm lakovich cutting inside in the slot shot scores oh baby what a shot has brought the fans to their feet. You know, the bread basket, puck comes loose, they score! Linden Lakovich, his second of the hockey game, is Mason Bullpit unable to hold on to that puck. Our buddy James Gallo, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, on the call last night. Moose Jaw, how about them? Man, 
taking a 2-1 to series lead, 8-4 to victory last night at home against the Winnipeg Ice. And Lyndon Lakovich, he was doing his thing. Two goals, first star of the game, and your sports cage clutch performer. For Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Three games in the NBA tonight. L.A. Lakers at Memphis. Miami at Milwaukee. Minnesota in Denver. The Nuggets have a one nothing series lead. No surprise. These are surprises, though. Miami's up on Zinger's Bucks. One game to none. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a game-time decision with his back. And the Lakers are at Memphis up one game to none. So, here's a question for you. Softer... Who's softer, pro basketball players or pro soccer players? They're great <laughs> athletes, lots of banging in basketball, but most of these dudes wouldn't survive in the 90s. Uh, it's, it's tough It's it's tough because I love both sports, so it's very tough, but uh, it's very difficult to see these guys flopping around like jellyfish. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. And I'm not saying that Giannis didn't take a big bump in Game 1 because he did fall on his tailbone pretty hard. He went out with a sore ass. That's what he went out with. Yeah, I, you said it, not me. He went out with a sore ass, okay? He had a That's sore... what he did. He had a sore ass and he, he, he on the playoffs. Come on, Giannis, you're the tower of strength. Well, he went out with I a thought. sore... This guy's a mountain of a man. Yeah, and he, he hurt his ass. <coughs> I've hurt my butt sitting on the couch too, watching too much sports in one day, but you don't see me give up on life. I go upstairs and get another snack. You got to get back in the game, Giannis. It's the official's fault if they did call all these you know fouls and yeah. and penalties all the time the the athletes wouldn't be so soft anymore if it, yeah it's just guaranteed so let's get into this here quickly stamps on, stamps got new uniforms ah. they the stamps got new uniforms and I love them I like the white they kind of reduced the black they've gone with the white so here's my reorganized best unis from top to from bottom to top in the league here we go. At number 10, a top 10, the Montreal home uniforms. At number 9, I got the Ottawa red tops with the black pants. At number 8, I got the BC Lion fog road uniforms. I like those. At number, so 10, 9, 8. At number 7, I got the Tiger Cats homes, the dark tops, the yellow pants. At number 6, the Green Bay Packer looking uh, Edmonton Elks, okay? Uh, Bombers home uniforms, blue and gold. Then at number four, I got the new Calgary Road Unis. I love those. Mm -hmm. The white masks and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Argos Homes with baby blue pants at three. At number two, BC Home Blacks. And at number one, the Rider Retro Green and White. It's hard to argue that. I would just have the Alouettes a little yeah, higher. Yeah, you like the Alouettes. I will tell you this. I checked with the Rough Riders. There is nothing in the works for a new look on the field with the football team in the foreseeable future. That's what I've been told. So there you go. Get used to it. I would love to see the Rough Riders. Uh, Craig Reynolds did kind of hint that they may go with more uh, retro look this year. Didn't he not say that when he was on the show? I believe so. Yeah, and that's so disappointing to me, though. I, I want to like I'm jealous. These other teams are getting new threads. I want new threads. Well, I want to see us. Go, I want it. I, I want it. I want to see us go back. Okay, Casper. <laughs> it's about what me. Are you, 18 months old. <laughs> I would like to see the Riders go all retro, like retro home, and then the white retro on the road. With green pants and the white stripes down the side, right? Oh, yeah. The old green and white? Yeah. I love it. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. 
All right, it's 432 inside the sports cage, and this is your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service, let me tell you, it's guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. This just in about 40 seconds ago, Michael Bunting has been suspended three games for that illegal check, so you can sit down for three games, mister. Big blow for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Speaking of Toronto, their baseball team, the Blue Jays, taking on the Astros tonight. Winner takes the series. Jose Barrios gets to start on the mound for Toronto. 6-10 opening pitch from Minute Maid Park in Houston. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Today on the CFL Report, we go back to our talk yesterday on the Sports Cage with Riders punter Kari Vedvik, who talks about what his preparation for the upcoming year looks like and maintenance during the season. I would say it's just more of the, you know, you find new nuances and kind of the details of your craft. Uh, I would say it's more focused on drill work. It's more focused on the details of, because when it comes to punting, the number one thing is your drop. And... I would say just getting it gets more and more competitive every year. There are just more and more consistent punters, people that have a better and better drop, and so it's just upping your game and attention to detail and the amount of work you put into into your craft and developing consistency. And that comes down to not just you know practicing your your craft. It comes down to attacking your daily routines. And mm-hmm. What does your day to day look like? You know, what do you eat? When do you get up in the morning? And uh, you know, all these things. It's got to be a lifestyle that you choose to live. And uh, and I would say it's a yeah, it's a all encompassing picture. You know, I think it's evolving too. You know, maybe back in the days you didn't have to care that much. You was like, oh, if you got a strong leg, that's all good enough. Um, today, that's not good enough. You need to be, you need to have a strong leg because everyone has a strong leg, and mm-hmm. you need to be very consistent. Flexibility is very important as a specialist. You know, um, but the amount of stretches you do can come in different shapes and form. You know, a lot of flexibility can also come from strength lifting itself. Um, for me. Strength lifting, it's very important that you uh, work on both sides of your body. Because, you know, when you're a left-footed or right-footed kicker, you're predominantly using one side of your body the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that can go from your core to your back muscles to your legs and groin area especially too. And it's all in core. So, yeah, when you work out and want to stay in shape, it's very important that you work both sides and that you have a very good regimen to, um, to how you're staying fit. So you're not just... Uh, you don't get overloaded on one side, which could lead to inconsistencies and eventually injuries. Wow, doesn't Mother Nature know that the riders' training camp opens in less than a month in Saskatoon? Absolutely ridiculous. Although I'm not sure they're getting the same weather we're getting right here. Our CFL report is brought to you by our good friends over there at Kevin's Marine. Make the most out of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine and Fort Coppell. Check them out at kevinsmarine.com. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. It's great to be back in the chair next to my wingman. Welcome Le- back, man. Leon How you feeling? Leon Dreisaitl. I wouldn't say I'm Connor. I'd say I'm more like probably... I'm, maybe I'm Leon and you're like Nuge. Hey, is that uh, good? difference is I've shown up today. <laughs> well, Leon showed up. Oh, yeah. The Oilers for, and the Oilers hey, and fair enough. <laughs> the Oilers showed up for the early part of the game. So let's see if they can do the whole game. Let's see if you can hang in there for the whole show. Oh, what did I do to myself? Yeah, what did you do to yourself is right. Uh by the way, this uh show 
It's the only day we're not sponsored Wednesdays. If you'd like to sponsor, 546-6200. Ask to speak with our sales staff, and we'll be sure to give you lots and lots of plugs on Wednesday. We do have our hotline sponsor, Western Pizza. Check your neighborhood, Western Pizza, for their pickup and dine-in specials. I had some of that I know, I saw you you taking pictures. Oh, it was good. I know. I'm thinking, I'm by myself tonight, flying solo. Yeah. thinking that once I drive you home, I'm going to... uh, you know, swing by Western Pizza, pick up some pizza pie for the big game tonight, Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Before the break, we were talking about the Stamps' new unis, and I'm loving their new unis. I don't like the Stamps. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I don't like the Calgary Stampeders. I respect them. There's some people in that organization, like Mark Mueller, I do like, but let's be honest. I don't like the Stampeders. Okay? I have one issue with the unis, but... What is it? You're a uni guy. They call me Dr. Uniform. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't heard, I made a name for myself when you were gone. It's yeah. Dr. Uni. We didn't come up with a song. Yeah, if you need your uniform fixed, you just give the doctor a okay. call, so, and I'm the so doctor. How, so what would you do to this Don Peter uniform? Well, you see, they changed the face masks to white. Yeah, I like that. But, but, you know, there's still the black... There's still the black where the the screws oh, go the in and screw, stuff. Yeah, like the, they the can, elbows. Yeah, they they can just change that to white. Why not? That's stupid. They of should, course, they should just change that Ooh. to white. You know, they said they're getting rid of the black. There's no reason to keep the black in there. There's no other I black might in have the uniform. To, I might have to amend my. Uh, I didn't even know. I was that. very disappointed, but it's like. Teams could just never totally get it right in Dr. Uniform's Yeah, minds. that is true. Why is that black? That looks stupid. I'm that should all you, be white. If you want to lesson on uniforms, I've studied uni- uniforms over the years for a long time. Zinger, you are the guy. Yeah, that's right. That little, it's it's up by the temple. Yes. Yeah, it's black. It should be white. You could, If you want to know. It's the screws where the face masks get screwed into the yeah. shell of the helmet. Yeah. Those are black still. They should not be black. They should not be. They should just be white. They will blend in nicely with the uniforms. Okay, so anyway, uh, that aside, I did my list of jerseys, and I've got the Riders Retro 1, the BC Home 2, the Argos Home with Baby Blue Pants 3. I know it sounds like a TLC show, doesn't it? (laughs) Calgary Roads 4, Bombers Blue and Gold 5, Edmonton Elks Green Bay Packer-like colors, the home greens with the yellow pants and the double E on the helmet. That's 6. 7, the Tiger Cats Dark Tops. Yellow pants. The BC Lions come in again at number eight with their fog road unis. I love it, especially with the like the, the they got the eighty sleeve yep. look. Yep. Uh, I got the Ottawa red tops, black pants at nine. Number ten, Montreal homes. Hmm. So let's go to the phone line and say hi to our friend Murray, who is on the Western Pizza hotline. Check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and delivery spe- or dine-in specials. Pardon me. Go ahead there, Murray. What do you got, man? Yeah, I want to pick up on the unis uh, for the riders. I uh, I want to see a change. I think it's time for a change. I want to see <clears throat> some black back and maybe even silver and a black combo pinstriping. I I definitely want to see a revamp. Yeah, I I like the black unis. I don't know if or when they're going to go to black unis. I know Mark Habick, who is the guru of the uh, uh, sports memorabilia over there for the riders in charge of all their their clothing. He is a guy that probably has two or three different mock-up jerseys that nobody is, like, they haven't seen the light of day. He's constantly massaging and working in his lab there over at Mosaic Stadium, but uh, I've been told nothing is right now in the foreseeable future in the works. Murray, how many jerseys do you own? Uh, two. Two? Which ones? Uh, Roosevelt and, uh, and an old... 
an old Zellers one, if you can imagine. I believe that's uh, Algard. Uh, that's. Uh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I like the, I love the old. I see a few of these old ones kicking around. The old Tom Burgess ones, remember back the old green ones with the yep. silver numbering and stuff. Yeah, those were awesome. Uh, what was the first rider jersey you ever got? Was it that Zellers one, or did you have one uh, before that? No, no, it was the Zellers one. The Zellers one. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love to see a different jersey too. Uh, the, I will say this: um, I do not like the pickle look at home like the whole green on green but they do wear the green on green because of how the pants line up with the side of the jersey like the white stripe that goes down the side of the jersey into the pants that's why i've been told they wear the green on green i'd love to see retros for the home and then the retro whites with the green pants with the white stripes down the side kind of like the stamps did with the red pants here Uh, that's what i'd love to see the riders go to okay with the up the upside down S, are you an upside down S guy, Murray? No, uh, actually, I was just going to also mention yeah. there was uh, an alternate logo posted quite a few months ago. I'm not sure what site it was on, but it was a it was a circular S, either done in black and gray or black and white. It mm. was it was a complete change of logo. I liked it too. Yeah, well, I'm hey Murray. Uh, listen, don't take this the wrong way because I respect your opinion and you're always welcome to call. There are some jerseys though, or uniforms that you don't mess with. Like, you don't mess with the Habs Uni. You don't mess with the Blackhawks Uni. You don't mess, in my opinion, uh, taking all political stuff aside, that's the nicest Uni in sports. You don't mess with the Yankee pinstripes or the Red Sox. You don't mess with the Green Bay Packers or the Chicago Bears. You don't mess with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the Edmonton Elks. Uh, I'm not going to weigh in on whether they should have changed their name or not. That's not for me to say. But the double E back was the best thing they ever did. Because when they went with the Elks logo, Murray and Sean, it looked like a cheap, like, Zellers, like like somebody did it in the back of a Chevelle. Okay, there you go. There's your logo. Like, it wasn't big enough, I didn't think. So I'm glad they went with double E. Murray, uniforms aside, because we're all guys, and really, what do we know about fashion? Um, I'll probably get in heat for that, too, in today's day and age, but I don't care. Murray, how pumped are you for this season? Um... I, I, it's it's tampered, but I I like uh, Harris coming in. Um, mm-hmm. Like the demeanor and the, the knowledge, and the, he's going to spread it out well. I like I like the receiving core and the rece- and uh, running backs, and um, I like Craig Dickinson. I think that I think all the circumstances they went through past season, a lot of teams would have struggled badly with those situations. I think they're only going to be a better team this year. Murray, thanks for your time, man. We appreciate your input, and uh, tell all your friends. We'd like to get uh, more Sports Cage shareholders. Have a great day, okay, and stay safe. Nice talking to you, too. Take care. See ya, Murray. All right, so uh, when we come back, it's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays on 620 CKRM. Let's play ball. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, yes, time now for Around the Horn with our good friend Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's start with this, Matt Chapman. We talked about him a few weeks back. This guy's on fire. He's tearing the cover off this thing. 
it seems like he keeps raising the bar on our expectations, doesn't it? When yeah. we talked about in spring training, the mechanical adjustments, the type of player that he wanted to be, a more well-rounded player that he was trying to become, similar to when he was getting MVP votes, right? Like in 2018, 2019, in my mind, now with his resume, with what you know he is defensively, he's becoming an elite offensive performer and it is that well-rounded approach that he wanted to have driving the baseball to all fields and driving the baseball with authority to all fields and and taking a couple of steps further with what he's able to do not only early in games but against the power pitching that a lot of these teams have in late game situations and high leverage situations the Blue Jays have been in a ton of comeback efforts they've been in a ton of tight ball games Matt Chapman's bat is right there against these power relievers coming out of the bullpen to the tune of a 400 batting average late in game, seven, eight, and nine. So that is an incredible opportunity for the Blue Jays to know that his bat is coming around in a late game situation, knowing that he's going to hit behind Vladdy and he's going to hit behind Bo, and you expect Springer to be there night in and night out as well. So it's a really great start for Matt Chapman in what is an all-important year for him, the Blue Jays, and of course for Chappie in his career. Okay, it's a nice, uh, nice sign to see uh, a better outing for Mr. Bassett yesterday as well. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime. And, and listen, the Blue Jays knew that he could be a guy that could pitch deep into a ball game. And now working for the third straight start with Alejandro Kirk, taking a little bit more ownership in his in his pitch calling, absolutely. To me, the rhythm was much better for Bassett in trying to sync everything up to a point where you know, he even tinkered at times with the Astros in their lineup, especially with a couple of the younger guys that were in the batting order there where he kind of slow-pitched them quick pitched a couple of veteran bats, but he gave the Blue Jays what they needed uh, beyond even shutout baseball. He provided depth for the bullpen, and he pounded the strike zone yesterday, and that is exactly what the Blue Jays need to see more of. They absolutely need to see more of that from Chris Bassett, and it raises the profile on the rotation, one, uh, finding that consistency because they certainly haven't been able to get it from Alec Manoa so far this year. Kevin Gosman had a little bit of a clunker against the Astros on Monday night, too. So this is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Blue Jays and the pitching staff, with what they saw from Chris Bassett. The great radio voice of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. So here's a question for you. Is it more of a concern for the Jays? Going into Tuesday, the starters had an 11.65 ERA in the first inning, or the fact they're near the bottom when it comes to uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Early on, what's more of a concern in your eyes? Always pitching, pitching, pitching. That is always yeah. what's going to keep me and uh, I know the guys down the street at Rogers Center, that's going to keep them up at night. I mean, I mean hands down. The, the fact that the starting rotation kind of got waxed, you know, right out of the gate with that high earned run average. And every starter at some point has given up six or more runs in a given start. You know, that's nobody saw that. I thought I thought the Blue Jays had – a top five rotation in Major League Baseball. And we can point really quickly at the teams that are in front of them, right, and the rotations that are out there. And I thought the Blue Jays certainly qualified to have one of the better rotations. And it has not gone as smooth, and it's not been as consistent as what anybody thought as well. The, the hits will come. The, the runners in scoring position, that stuff is going to come. And this is a really, really, really talented offensive attack. What they need now is just consistency out of the starters. So, Ben, I- 
Whether it's a in-game situation like I just described, pitching or hitting and running in scoring position, or just an overall thing, when we should when should we start worrying about what's going on? I remember a couple of weeks ago I said, "Well, it's April baseball; it's not that big a deal." And you said, "No, you can't win it in April, but you can put yourself in a big hole in April." So when should you start worrying? Like for instance, the Astros not off to a great start; they do have championship pedigree. The Padres not hitting very well, which is it, it's crazy to think they need. Fernando Tatis to come in that lineup and jumpstart them, but they do. Uh, or conversely, when do you start buying a team like the Texas Rangers? Well, I would say about 40 games in is where you start to get a feel of what your season is going to look like and where your team is. You know, where where are you deficient? Where do you need to upgrade some opportunities? Where do you need uh, to fill some holes as well? That's that's kind of my benchmark is about the 40 game mark where you're going to find out because one, you should be playing balanced competition by that point too. Right. Like you look at the Rays, right? The strength of schedule, very, very favorable for Tampa Bay blue Jays schedule kind of 50, 50 at the start of the year. They're in a really important two week pocket uh, starting with Tampa Bay, going to Houston, going through New York. Uh, what are the Chicago white Sox? You know, that's a pretty, they're a talented team, but what kind of team are they? We've been waiting to find out for the White Sox for like three years, what kind of team they're going to be. Um, and, and then you come with Seattle, you know, that still is trying to, trying to get their legs underneath them too. So there's still a lot that every team is trying to figure out. And case in point with the Astros, and you mentioned your Padres, you know, there's some injury situations. The Astros are dinged up right now. They don't have Altuve for two months. Where are they going to? When are they going to get Michael Brantley back in that lineup? Things can certainly change for teams very, very quickly if they get some depth in their lineup, or if they get a starter or maybe a high-end leverage piece back in the bullpen. So uh, I think 40 games is a good marker for me. All right, Ben, and lastly, uh, L.A. Dodgers star Clayton Kershaw picked up career win 200 in a five-nothing decision over the Mets. In Ben Wagner's opinion, where does Kershaw rank in terms of pitching greats? Wow. To, to qualify it with a number um, and what he is able to do in terms of longevity as well. Well, uh, and starting a shorter sample size, right? For mm -hmm. me, Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers that this game is currently seeing operate. And if you've got a chance to grab a ticket and Clayton Kershaw picking, pitching in your backyard, you got to go. Mm -hmm. You absolutely have to get there and watch the lefty. And, I, and you know, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to watch him uh, match up against these young stars, and Bo Bichette hit two home runs off of him <laughs> uh, at Dodger Stadium, and that was a magical moment, you know, for me to just one be at the mic, but also, um, you know, you know, get get kind of be close to Clayton Kershaw and the great greatness that is Clayton Kershaw and a Dodger icon. And I don't think I'm overselling it when I say he is an LA Dodger icon and he is going to have a deeply rooted place in major league baseball history. I think he's going to go down as somebody that's headed to the hall of fame. Absolutely. I think he's, you know, there are a lot of great lefties out there, but I would rank him right now. Top 10 left-handed pitcher in major league baseball history with yeah. what he's been able to do. 
and and then you, then you got then it gets really difficult. How do you make the argument if he's top ten overall in pitching? Yeah, I in guess, Major League Baseball yeah, history, but he's right there. Yeah, I guess I had him a top a ten left hander. You're right, and I guess overall beauty's in the eye of the beholder sometimes. And yeah. lastly, would you would you say about the forty game mark is when we'll really get kind of a good sample size on how these rules have worked out? You know what I. I think the rules are working out fine right now. And as you would expect, Major League Baseball, you know, the games that I watch, one with the eye test and also just, you know, from a casual standpoint, tuning into other broadcasts, they don't look clunky to me. The rule changes, the pitch clock, the timer. I think pitchers really figured things out when they were in spring training and their first then real opportunity and maybe the two starts, right? Now that everybody's got three or four starts underneath their belt, I thought after two starts, everything was fine. Now there have been some there have been some operator error on the Blue Jays standpoint with the Pitchcom device and other things that have clunked it up. But I think with Pitchcom, with the new rules, and with the disengagements, I think the brand of baseball that we've seen over the last ten days in Major League Baseball certainly is where baseball wanted it. I don't think it's going to deviate from where we've seen it, including the shifts and balls in play and everything that that the game action itself we have seen. I think that we're getting what we expect from baseball uh, right now, not even waiting for another 20 games. I agree. That's Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays for Around the Horn. Thanks for your time. Have a great call tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Welcome back. In Calgary, rain comes a lot in June. Right. Right. So that's usually the rainy season here. Um, I've had snow here. I've had snow in August, September. So it's really hard to kind of dictate what the weather's going to be. I mean, look at last year. I think the Grey Cup last year, it was an incredible day for what it could have been. Mm -hmm. You know, at that time of year, uh, to be able to play a game out there and to to be a part of that. So uh, just to see it, man, you never know. Uh, if you start early or you start late, uh, it's always a crapshoot to see what kind of weather you're going to get. Well, I know one thing. Wherever Nick Lewis is, it's where his feet are. That's how he kind of lives. So when he's in Regina, he's all in on Regina, helping the athletes out here. Uh, when he was in BC as a coach, he had his uh, feet there and was doing a great job. And, of course, in Montreal when you wrapped up your career. But you're back in Calgary. Now that you're all acclimatized again as a coach, does it feel like you're home? It does. You know, it's, it's, it's just so crazy to, to be back here and, and living back in the city. Uh, there was a fan forum last night. Um, I think about seven, 800 fans showed up and just to see the fans and uh, take pictures and, and just be a part of the whole thing was, was really cool. So, um, you know, I'm just taking it all in. And, and every day that I get to see the mountains, um, I definitely respect it more than I did when I played here. Um, nine years ago. Mm. Hey, speaking of appreciation, Nick, I knew you you were a grinder. You you weren't. Uh, you didn't come in much ballyhooed. You scraped and clawed for everything you got. But do you the word appreciation? Do you have more appreciation for what the coaches brought to you as a player than you did when you played? Now that you're a coach, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I've always respected the coaches and their commitment to to what it takes. I mean, I'm in the office every day. Like I said, I just left. So I'm in the office every day for, you know, sometimes 10, 11, 12 hours in the off season. Uh, we, we put so much time in. You know, we had a seven-hour meeting today. So there's so much that goes into it. There's so much that goes into game planning, um, just understanding training camp, 
how you're going to install the offense, how you're going to do all these different things. You have the draft, uh, you know, just trying to fill holes in, in your team. And, and, you know, it's so important to build and stack Canadian talent in this league. So really want to make sure that you do your due diligence and, and understand everybody at every position in the draft. So there's a lot of work that goes into it that I don't think a lot of people see or understand. Uh, it's not just uh, throwing a, a dart at the dartboard to pick a play. There's a lot of things that go into the the process of, of being a coach. This is Nick Lewis, uh, former CFL great as a player, uh, uh, former coach of the Lions now with the Calgary Stampeders. How do you like your receiver room? Man, it's great. Um, I had Malik Henry in the other day, was talking to him, uh, Rice and John. If you're not familiar with Rising John, he's six foot seven, around 250 pounds right now. Oh, we lost him. Call him back there. Give him, give him a quick call back. We gotta, we gotta get. Uh, he was, he was telling us about this Rising Johnson. Yeah, he's a big guy, man. I, I, I want to say, was it Syracuse where he played football? Very, uh, very good player. Uh, Coming into the CFL, Rice and John. Um, let's see here, Calgary Stampede receiver. Um, yeah, big, tall guy, six seven, two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, Simon Fraser, Simon Fraser, football player. So yeah, uh, continue, uh, Nick. You were talking about Rice and John. Talk about him. Yes, uh, you know Rice and John. He came out of Simon Fraser. Never played American football. I mean Canadian football before. Growing up in BC and then playing in the NFL the last three years, so. It's going to be really interesting. Size and his skill level uh, shapes up for this. And, you know, we have a really young room. Uh, Reggie Bagleton will be 30 this year. Uh, Connolly Lewis is 30. Everybody else is in their mid to young 20s. So it's going, to be, it's going to be a good challenge, and we definitely have a lot of talent in the room. So remember back to when you first started, what, what, what piece of advice would you impart to the young guys trying to figure out this league, even, you know, like a guy like Rice and John? You know, my, my biggest thing is always search for your greatest self. And, and every day that you wake up, you have to search for that. What is that to do to become that, right? What is it that you need to add to your game or uh, put in your game and, and be able to go out and execute on a consistent basis? So that's the biggest thing for me is search for your greatest self. And if I get the guys on that level, just where every day they're waking up hungry to become better because – they're looking for their greatest self, I think we'll be okay. Hey, 30 seconds or less, do you like those new uniforms? You know, I, I do. I, I do. I, I don't think they're the flashiest uniforms, but, you know, I don't think we've ever had the flashiest uniforms, but I, I definitely love the uniforms, and uh, definitely the Labor Day black uniforms are always one of my, my favorites. Kind of looks like a popcorn box a little bit, and that's perfect. Showtime in Calgary with Nick Lewis, the Hall of Famer back in town. Thanks for your time, man. Good success, and uh, you know, unless you're playing us, okay? Thank you, brother. Have take, a good one. Take care. That's Nick Lewis joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll take a trip down memory lane next on a Wednesday on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now?
And we take a walk down memory lane for Floor Coverings International. They'll bring their mobile showroom to you. Give them a call. They do great work, and I can attest to that. All right, we're joined by uh, former Western Hockey League and NHL coach and uh, professional hockey player Lauren Mulliken right in our own community in Regina Beach. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Awesome. And hey, you just got back from Toledo, Ohio. Tell us about that. Well, um, the Toledo Walleye of the Inter- uh, East Coast Hockey League, um, they honored our team from 40 years ago. We had won two, two Turner Cup champions, so we were down there for four days. Uh, um, you know, they took us, uh, we went to the Toledo Mud Hens baseball game, which is a AAA baseball, which was exciting, uh, and, and obviously went to a, a walleye game where they honored our team, and introduced uh, each of us on the ice so it was great uh, we had a luncheon and uh, uh, this name a lot of people in Regina will know Dirk Graham who played with us uh, uh, spoke to the team about the importance of, of uh, the playoffs and what it's all about and what it takes to win a championship yeah and we'll get into that in a second uh, did a lot of the guys make it back was it nice it must be nice to get in a room 40 years later and tell the stories which uh, will probably get better as the years go on well, it certain they certainly were, Michael. Uh, you know, there was lots of lots of stories, lots of laughs, lots of tears. Uh, you know, because we haven't seen each other for the most part for forty years, so time goes by pretty pretty quick. And uh, we had a great uh, a great weekend in Toledo. Lauren, you just overcame a fall yourself. Uh, it was a pretty bad one. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing much better. Uh, you know, I had an accident this winter where. They had to reconstruct my hip, uh, broke my femur in four spots and tore my rotator cuff. But I'm on the mend and uh, hopefully here in the next month or so, I'll be able to get out and swing a golf club. Worse than any hockey injury you ever had? Way, way worse. Way worse. The worst part is it's it takes longer to heal when you get to, get to be my age. <laughs> when you're north of 60, hey, I'm not that far behind you. I know I used to laugh at guys that would, uh, like my dad, he'd grumble when he'd have to put his socks on. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm feeling it. It's like, oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey uh, Lauren, talk, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, your, your career and, and everything as a player and a coach. If you could go back... As a young Lauren Mulliken, would there be one game as a player and then maybe one as a coach you'd want to be in that moment again? Well, um, you know what? I, I think as a player, uh, you know, in the, in the Western Hockey League, we had a lot of really good teams. Uh, we came up short, I believe it was in 1974 against the Regina Pats. That year uh, when I was in Swift Current, they went on to win the Memorial Cup and you know, as as a as a coach, I think that uh, um, two out of four years in Saskatoon, we went to the uh, to the Western Hockey League final and lost out in the seventh game to Kamloops, and they went on to win the Memorial Cup. But lots of great memories uh, from playing and coaching, and uh, I was very very fortunate to be touched by a lot of uh, tremendous people. What was your best NHL coaching moment? Of course, you were a Blackhawks head coach, assisted with Pittsburgh and San Jose too. Well, probably the the, the best moment was uh, uh, the first NHL game where where I was a head coach. Uh, um, you know, we went to St. Louis, we won that game four one. But you know, on the way over to St. Louis, Chris Chelios uh, uh, asked if we could chat when we got there for a couple of minutes, and you know, it was probably an hour or two later he left and. You know, 
it was it was good because uh, I got to tap into you know his experience as a great player in the National Hockey League and and some of the coaches that he had played under. So um, you know that that was probably the highlight for me winning that first game as a head coach in the National Hockey League. Lauren Mulliken joining us here for Where Are They Now uh, for Floor Coverings International on this snowy Wednesday. Hey, uh, Lauren, um, I don't know the guy, but just watching him from afar, man, I love what John Cooper does with the Tampa Lightning, especially in this day and age of free agency, to win two cups in a row, lose in the cup final, and he opens up with a big throttling of the Leafs last night. Like He is, he is an underappreciated head coach, in my opinion. Well, he, he certainly flies under the radar and, and uh, you know, maybe part of it is, is where he's coaching and, and, you know, he's not in that, uh, in that Canadian market or one of the big markets in the, in the United States. But, you know, when you watch from afar and, and the type of success he's had at all levels that he's coached, one, he's a very intelligent man. Two, I think that, you know, the, the, the ability to create relationships with his players uh, is outstanding, and as a result, uh, you know they bought in, and and uh, you know they've they've won some championships. So good for him, and good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. When I watch the Winnipeg Jets, like I did last night, they kind of feel like a Lauren Mulliken gritty kind of hardened team. I think the Jet. I don't think the Jet should be underdogs against the Golden Knights. Well, you know what? I had an opportunity to watch some of the game, and especially the third period. I thought Winnipeg was outstanding. They they didn't give uh, Vegas any time or space and uh, uh, did a great job. And obviously they've got one of the best goaltenders in the league and, and to be successful in the playoffs, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a number of things, but goaltending is important. Staying out of the penalty box or special teams are real, real important. And, and just being able to do the little things at the, at the important times. And when I talk about the little things, it's, you know, getting the pucks out at your blue line, getting them in, uh, you know, winning face-offs, uh, you know, winning your one-on-one battles. There's so many little things that come into play that determine the outcome of a hockey game. Todd McClellan's been around it. You know, he's he's uh, one of those guys, too, that uh, kind of flies under the radar at times, had some success in San Jose, uh, trying to get the L.A. Kings over the hump. Do you think they can knock off the Oilers? Well, that's going to be a great series. I mean, uh, you know, people, they kind of get their arms up in the air when you when you lose that first game. And there's been a number of teams that have lost the first game at home. But it's uh, it's not a race to one. It's a race to four. And that series, uh, I think, going into it, if you were to talk to, to either coach, they knew it was going to be a – it would be a long, tough battle. But, uh, you know, with the Oilers, obviously, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, those two guys can take the team on the back and, and lead them uh, to a lot of great things. What do you make of this Bedard kid? Well, you know, I've had an opportunity to watch him a little bit over the years uh, because of, of uh, and, and not watch him as much as I'd, I'd like to because of my involvement with Prairie Hockey Academy out in, in Cairnport. But uh, I remember watching him when he was 14 years old out in Penticton playing against basically 17 and 18 year olds and he was dominant. And the thing that really stands out for me with, with Connor Bedard is, is the way he approaches the game. He's very, very unselfish. Uh, He uses the people around him. And, and obviously uh, as we witnessed in the playoffs this year against the blades, I mean, he can, you know, he can 
challenge the defenseman, not just one defenseman, but both of them, and end up walking in all alone with the goaltender. So, Who's the best player you ever coached at junior level? At the junior level. Let's stay there. Well, you know, I, I think that probably the best player I ever coached at the junior level, um, you know, obviously a Barrett Jackman mm-hmm. uh, that we had when I coached the Regina Pats or uh, Richard Matvichuk, who we had in Saskatoon, uh, you know, and we had lots of success there also. So, um, but the thing that I look back on is the players that, that I've coached, uh, you know, Saskatoon, Regina, Moose Jaw, um, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of them today. So, um, it's, it's a special bond that, you know, you have between player and coach and certainly to be in touch with a lot of them, uh, to this day is, is real rewarding for myself. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, this guy had a fall, got his hip repaired, everything like that. And he's in the garage building a place for his granddaughters to hang out. Uh, So uh, don't be lazy sitting on the couch all day, get out and do something if Lauren Mulligan can. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Michael. All right. 532 with your sports ticker. And it's for busy B. Overhead, Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Blue Jays and Astros tonight. Winner takes the series. Jose Barrios gets to start on the mound for Toronto. 6-10 opening pitch from Minute Maid Park in Houston. And this just in a few minutes ago. I'm all salty about it. Man, Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo is out for Wednesday's Game 2 of the team's first-round playoff series against the Miami Heat coach Mike Budenholzer just told reporters a few minutes ago. So uh, apparently Antetokounmpo is believed to be dealing with a, in quote, pain tolerance issue in his lower back. He he can't take it. He can't take it. No, he's got a sore ass, folks. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. And Pat Chats for the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices for you to enjoy. <laughs> I'd go there today and get one just to kind of get yourself in the spring mode even though mother nature is not cooperating hey sam Steele, the former regina pat scored his first nhl playoff goal in the double overtime victory for the wild over the dallas stars on monday night he joined us on the sports cage yesterday you know i knew i had some back pressure so i didn't want to you know expose the puck and get it poked off or whatnot but uh mike was made a great play and i just had to move my feet and try to get it upstairs so yeah as they head into game two tonight Steele says he loves how the wild's been playing down the backstretch and into the playoffs yeah definitely i think for the last uh i don't know six weeks or so we've really dialed in and started playing you know cohesive playoff like hockey so and that's Pat Chat. Still to come, former rider and current Rough Rider color commentator on our radio network, Luke Mullender, will be by to wrap up the show. But first, time to head on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with our friend James Gallo, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. So, um, so check this out, James. This is kind of laughable, okay? So Morgan Barron, who plays on skates, you know those sharp things that dig into the ice? 
he take yeah. he takes a goalie skate in the face for seventy five. That's seven five plus stitches, and comes back about ten minutes later to finish the game. Hockey players, ballsy hockey yeah. players. Yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, goes up in game one, falls on his ass, and he's out because of pain management. What an embarrassment. <laughs> NBA players are soft as puppy poo. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I won't get into it too much, but I uh, hockey players are tough, ballsy. That's the way they're bred. Am I the only one with an opinion around here? <laughs> NBA players are soft, but not quite as soft as soccer players who flop around oh. like they were shot by a sniper till they come out and sprinkle that miracle uh, holy water on them and they spring up like daisies and they're ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, soccer players are soft. S A W F T, right? Yeah. Very, very, soft very soft. But, but uh, uh, amazing yeah. athletes, though. But yeah, I mean, if uh, you'd almost want to see a soccer player play hockey, see what they would think about what uh, what these guys go through with, you know, seventy five stitches, a skate blade to the face, and you, know, you and I have both seen our fair share of pretty horrific uh, incidences where guys come back and. Yeah, hockey players are tough, man. They're tough breed. Unbelievable. You know what? I'm not surprised the Warriors are giving the ice a game. You know, I'm not surprised because it was pretty neck and neck in the season series. I am surprised an eight four spot. Are you? Yeah, right. I think uh, I think the bounces went the Warriors' way, and I think they did a good job last night uh, creating their bounces and then finishing on their bounces. Um, playoff hockey. There's so many aspects that go into it. But moments are a big thing. And I think last night the Warriors capitalized on their key moments, and that's where they just they just kept on coming. And uh, good for the guys, but hopefully the well's not dry because there's another big game coming up tonight. Mm-hmm. Thank God nobody has to travel except maybe across the street or in a bus from the hotel. <laughs> Crazy, man. You want to see water running down the street, not white rain, as I like to call it, falling from the sky here on April the 19th. Um if the Warriors want to win this thing, though, it'd sure be nice to grab a three-one lead. Now, yeah, now you got more than a puncher's chance. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight's going to be big. Um, I think tonight, tonight you'll see Winnipeg best, in my opinion. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to push hard. Uh, they might treat it right now like they're down three-one. You know, maybe back into a corner. Uh, first time probably since the conference final last year where they have seen some adversity. And I think, uh, I think. You know, you'll see them at their best. I think Moose Jai, it's just like that boxer ball. You, you know, if a team's going to, if a, if a boxer's going to come at you with a couple of punches, you've got counter punch in. And that's what Moose Jai needs to be prepared to do. Um, I think the first 10 minutes is going to be very important for Moose Jai. I think, uh, obviously, to weather the ice storm. But to try and get some pressure on, on Daniel Hauser, the, the ice goaltender. Um, you know, he got riled, got yanked last night in, in the first period. Back-to-back games where Hauser hasn't finished. So I think if Bouchard can get on him early and get some pressure, I think uh, I was talking to a, you know another gentleman earlier. To me, uh, shot quantity is going to be important for Bouchard and bodies in that home plate area right around the crease. That's what they did last night. It's going to be very key here tonight. So uh, who's been the best warrior? Give me the give me the top two war- give me the top two warriors so far. Uh, you know what? I think uh, it's tough because I think a lot of guys have been playing really well. I mean, I think obviously offensively you got to look at Jagger Furcus. You know, Jagger's seven goals, 16 points in seven games is, is pretty impressive for that young man. Um, you know, he's, he, he's, he's the smartest guy on the ice. And when he's out there, he, he's crafty. He's always thinking about doing something. Uh, he's elusive. I'm not saying he's like this. I'm not saying he is this guy, but I will say he has traits of Braden Point, just the way that he thinks the game. 
Um, you know, maybe trying to go a step or two ahead. Um, very smart. Like, like last night, for example, there's a, there's a Winnipeg Ice player that loses his stick. And, you know, Farkas just slows down the play, makes sure that everybody's aware of what's going on. And then he's calling for the puck and gets the shot and scores because that's where he knows where they want to attack is the, is the ice player without the puck. So to me, Jagger Fergus has been a big guy. Um, you know, and again, Connor Unger in that. I mean, you can't win unless you've got a really good goaltender. And Connor Unger is playing really, really good right now. You know, goals against a 236, save percentage of 922. Um, there's always blips in the radar for a goaltender at this level, but I think Connor uh, is getting himself dialed in. And to beat a team like Winnipeg, your goalie's got to be one of your best players, and Connor's been like that uh, so far through three games. And uh, w- one quick comment on the Saskatoon Red Deer series. I know you haven't seen it, but uh, feels like the Blades are out of gas after that tough first-round uh, first series. You know, I was a little worried about Saskatoon going into the second round. That was a pretty emotional uh, first-round series against the Pats. And, you know, the Red Deer Rebels, they, they play, you know, typical Brent Sutter hockey, right? They're big. They're physical. Um, they will hit you every opportunity they get. They're a little old-school team, right? And, you know, I think right now Saskatoon is just having a tough time matching up to Red Deer in that category. And Red Deer's so structured, Right, like it's a different beast than what the Regina Pats were. Uh, Red Deer Rebels are so structured defensively that they make it really hard to get those opportunities. And when you get those chances, you have to score against Red Deer. That's how how structured they are. I think Steve Connor Walchuk's done a great job on the bench in the two years that he's been there. But uh, they're they're in tough. They're in tough. Musha had uh, Saskatoon 3-0 last year in the first round. The Blades won Game Four, but Saskatoon was at home for that Game Four. Right to push a game five. Here they're on the road, and the PV Mart Centrum is a tough rank to win. Yeah. Well, the Moose Jaw Warriors and the Red Deer Rebels are going to meet in the East Final. You heard it right here first. There it is. It's all <laughs> done. I'll give you all the credit if that happens. But all done. Game four right now. Okay, man. We'll take care of a good broadcast tonight, okay? Sounds good, Baldy. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Take care, man. Uh, next time, come with an opinion. I want opinions on this show. I want opinions on this show. We have no, we have no room for milk toast. Anyway, take care, buddy. See ya. See you later, Baldy. Yeah, bye. People get scared. Eh? When I, there's this guy. What's he gonna say? He's gonna go off half cocked. Hey, when we come back, I know a guy with an opinion. His name's Luke Mulliner. He'll join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's get after it here on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. This weather's ridiculous. Sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. Went to go to my car today and all my bins had blown from the side of my house. Couple in the ditch, one on the street. Yeah. I'm sick of it too. I'm staying home tomorrow. Terrible. Me too. Who's doing the show if we both stay uh, home tomorrow? I don't know. I, I'm too depressed. I can't. You know who's going to you know cheer us up as we head out in the Western Pizza Hotline? Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza to... Close out the show. We're bringing in the closer from the bullpen. Hell's bells pumping on the sound system. <laughs> it's Luke Mulder. Hi, Luke. How's it going? I'm not cheering. I'm not cheering you guys up at all. I hate this too. I'm so yeah. sick of this. Yeah, it's I'm cr- so mad. This, this this ruined my whole day today. Yeah, it ruined my day too. I, I mean, had, I had stuff planned. I know. Me too, dude. I'm on the fourth hole of a golf course, and I just said to my girlfriend the other day. This I'm getting Luke Mulder out on this course, and before I left to North Dakota, the snow was gone, and now this morning it's all back again. I know it's going to be gone right away, but can we get out of this already? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's going to be gone right away. The fact is that it happened. Like someone doesn't <laughs> like us right now. I know. That's hey, but it brings up a good point, man. Um, we've been talking about how we can maybe make the 
the season more conducive to better weather and more revenue. The commissioner has said games in the summer bring in more money, and that's obvious when you think about it. People want to go to the stadium. They don't want to come when the weather's like this. But would you rather see your foot... Now, the way to ultimately do it is get that 10th team, get rid of two buys, and then you can condense the schedule, right? But, but Luke, would you rather, if you had to, have your training camp uh, where guys are trying to make the team and uh, an early part of the season in weather like this and have nicer weather when the games are more meaningful or just keep it the way it is? No, we just we just got to keep I mean, right now it works, right? Like, um, you know, everybody always complains about, oh, well, we got to move the season up and we got to do this and we got to do that. And I, I can't help but think back to, I think it was 2019, when everybody was like, oh, yeah, we got to move the season up. And then the Grey Cup was in Ottawa, Right, with everybody talking about, oh yeah, it's going to be such, a, and it's snowstorm, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the weather's random, so I don't think that you know, it's it's it, it, it's quite abundantly clear that, and I'm not a climate change guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not skipping school with Greta Thunberg, right? So, but I, I I do think that you know, like the weather patterns are getting progressively worse, and it's not going to matter if you move the season up. You're going to get bad weather either during the beginning of the year or during the end of the year. No one like, and and you know how it goes these days, Baldy. No one's happy, right? So yeah, well, I just think that you just got to leave it to it, and, and you know what, uh, let it ride. At it's this nice. point, you imagine like they'd have to tra- if, if 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 training camp was today, mm-hmm. they cancel it. Yeah, so so here's my thing to to help the CFL out, to help our mood out. Uh, we need to have some sort of rally where you and I get a bunch of big trucks and SUVs and just run them all day. I don't care. <laughs> Let's just heat up the atmosphere and make it warm. I'm tired of this well, stuff. Hey, well, well, I'm not sure if you remember the last time uh, a bunch of trucks and SUVs got together. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out well in Ottawa. Yeah, it didn't work out well. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I guess so. Well, here come the flood of letters now. People, people <laughs> heard it. With... Trying to entice a riot. Yeah, Ballsy's trying to make a riot. I'll tell you what, man. This is something I don't understand. Okay, now uh, he's your guy. Uh, you put all the faith in Chris Jones, so I defer to his knowledge on football. But as I look at the highest paid receivers. Uh, Eugene Lewis, $320,000 in hard money. Stephen Dunbar Jr., 200206 maximum value, but two hundred grand in hard money. They got Kyron Moore. I mean, they've got some weapons there, but they've got Taylor Cornelius, who were, I don't know, like, I think he's decent. He showed some signs, but I don't know if he's there yet. Like, to me, it's like, it's not like they have a Matt Dunnigan or Ricky Ray in his prime thrown to these guys. Yeah, no, I think that what the, 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 I think that, okay, first of all, let me start with this. You're right. I, I'm a huge Chris Jones guy. I, I think that he's, you know, tops in the league, um, regardless of coach or talent evaluator, however you want to put it, he's in the top, he's in the top tier of the league. Um, but, uh, to have Eugene Lewis in a hard money of 320K and also Stephen Dunbar Jr. at 200K, um, is is crazy to me considering you know the injury situation that that teams have to deal with in this day and age. Um, the 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 
the whole mentality about playing, paying your receivers should be thrown out the window by now, in, uh, in my opinion. The teams need to be paying premium dollar for offensive linemen um, and then defensive linemen. I mean, if you want to have some success, it, we all talk about these leagues that are competing with us now for talent, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want the, the product on the field to look good, you know, invest in the trenches because that's where football starts and finishes. So, yeah, I, I don't agree with Chris Jones's strategy around that. I'm curious to know, like, okay, well, what if one of those guys get injured, right? Like, mm-hmm. is he, uh, is he, and and then it's actually, you know, then it's then it's actually okay because if they're injured and they have to go on the sixth game or whatever, their their salary comes off the books altogether, right? The other piece of this that probably makes it probable or or um, enables them to pay Dunbar and uh, Lewis, what they're paying, is probably they're not paying a lot for their quarterback, right? And, and they're probably not paying a lot despite having some really savvy vets back there in their secondary. They're not paying a lot for that either. So um, it's yet to be seen, but I just think that paying, paying receivers um, in this day and age where teams ha- have to be able to create depth in their roster, I- I- paying receivers big money like the way they are just doesn't make sense to me. But then again, hey, well, you know, you and I are, are pundits and 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 mm-hmm. critics, you know, critics of this game, not not guys in the front office. So there might be another train of thought. I just can't see it when it comes to paying wide receivers. Taylor, Taylor Cornelius, for what it's worth, is the sixth highest paid uh, quarterback in the CFL, according to Three Down Nation, at three hundred ninety-two thousand four hundred thirty-two maximum value contract. He's paid more than Fajardo, <laughs> Vernon Adams Jr., Nick Arbuckle, Matthew well, Schiltz. You know what? And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him being around six. So I think that, you know, um, I think that he's in, he's in that same type of company as the guys you just mentioned. I know that everybody loves VA, but I haven't seen, VA, seen nope. VA's game progress past sort of what made him a, um, a really likable player in the Canadian Football League when he was young. I think Dane Dane Evans at 94 grand in hard money is going to be the starting quarterback for the BC Lions by midseason. Well, and that's and that's and that's that's where I think they'd probably head to. Um, again, you know, I, I look at uh, the the whole pay Lamar Jackson thing right now uh, is is kind of, you know, it's it's becoming evident that Lamar Jackson needs an agent, right? Because mm-hmm. you know he's just not going to be offered what he thinks he's worth. And a lot of people are, are pointing towards the fact that hey, Lamar Jackson hasn't finished the season in two years, right? And and again, I think that 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 athletic running style quarterback um it, it gets you it gets you noticed in the canadian football league but again eventually you have to revert to becoming a pocket passer and that's the piece of that's missing in va's game I, I don't think he's he's improved past what got him noticed in the first place yeah so here, let's uh, stay with the quarterbacks here here's a question for you luke i know it's totally off what i told you we'd prepare prepare for i've called an audible omaha omaha <laughs> here we go so looking at this uh, who's going to have a more disappointing season right now as you look at it, Luke? Okay, Is it going to be Chad Kelly, who is uh, who can earn 248000 but is 87000 in hard money? Is he going to be more of a disappointment? Or is it going to be Jake Mayer in Calgary, who is guaranteed $405,000? I think that the, um, I, I, you can make cases for both of them. I really haven't seen on the maturity scale anything from Chad Kelly 
um, since he, he saved the Argos um, during the Great Cup. I, I, Maturity-wise, I just don't think he's there yet. You know, you, he talks about um, – every time he talks to him, you, you talk to him, he talks about getting back to the NFL. And you know what? That, that, that's, a valid, um, that's a valid goal for a guy his age, um, right? But um, I feel like you come into the Canadian Football League – if your sole focus the entire year is putting up numbers that are going to get you back into the league, well, do you start making choices based on the fact that you know you need the numbers, right? Or do you, or do you take the mature sort of approach and, and do everything you can to, to get the team in a winning position? And, I, and I'm not sure. And I'm not, I don't know Chad Kelly from the birds that are trying to hide from the snow out in my backyard, <laughs> right? But, um, I, I, but at the same time, I mean, it, you know, you can hear, you can tell the guys. Whenever Durant gave an interview, you knew that that was a leader. Like you can tell the AC, and I just haven't heard it, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, Chad Kelly just all of a sudden has been thrust into the spotlight of the Canadian Football League, and for good reason. He balled out when he needed to, but it's an entirely different ball of wax when you're the starting guy, when you're the guy, right? And you have expectations, and and listen. Ryan Dinwiddie, man, he's, he's, he's a guy that demands. Like, he's not a guy who's going to sit back and sort of just be quiet, man. He's going to be active in the meeting rooms. He's going to be demanding. So, again, it, you know, uh, it, it all, I think, I think it's a big part of Chad Kelly, too, is, is the way he starts the year, right? Similar mm-hmm. to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think he's got to have a good start to the year. But I haven't heard it in maturity-wise to, to really think that Chad Kelly is going to get the Argos back because that's the other thing, too. If Calgary's average and Jake Meyer's average, guess what? They were last year. Toronto is the defending Grey Cup champion, and their division has gotten better simply because they've got Bobby Dice in the right spot and Hamilton's gotten better, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot more riding in, on it in Toronto. And so if there's going to be a bigger disappointment, I would say it's probably going to potentially be Chad Kelly. Okay. Jake Winicky of the Rough Riders, set to earn 146000 in hard money, maximum value contract of 162000 apparently, according to Three Down Nation. Greg Ellingson, he's 28, had a down year, a little bit of a quarterback issue in Montreal, started with Vernon Adams, then he's out, uh, Trevor Harris is in, then he got some injury problems, so it was a down year for him. Greg Ellingson is consistent, and he is one of our, both our favorite receivers uh, throughout his time in this league, okay? He's 34. He's due to make 149 this year, 155 maximum. So relatively the same. What's the better economic signing? Winnicky in Saskatchewan, Ellingson in Montreal at the end of the day. Winnicky in Saskatchewan. And here's why. I think that Winnicky, who's a, who, like you said, uh, he's 28. I think that his ceiling right now is the same type of receiver as Naaman Roosevelt was in his last couple of years with the Riders. Mm-hmm. Incredibly efficient, reliable, dependable, a guy who's going to catch the football, get you some great possession downs. Right, I do think that that's going to be Weineke's role. If, if people are, are, are thinking that Weineke's going to come in here and, and stretch the field, that you, you, know, you haven't watched the film. Um, I think that he's going to have an opportunity to be a real valuable possession um, especially for Trevor Harris, who's going to get the ball out a lot quicker than the quarterback that was here last year, right? And uh, he's going to pr- his decision making, especially you know, I think that with what Kelly, um, uh, their OC, uh, is going to bring. I have a feeling that you know, um, Trevor Harris is, is going to establish a, a real sort of um, go-to relationship with Winnicky. That's that's where the potential is for me, at least. All right, and lastly, 
Okay, I need a comment from you. So Morgan, uh, what the hell was his name? The guy from uh, Morgan Barron, six four, two hundred and fifty pound guy gets a skate blade in the face. Seventy five stitches is back in ten minutes. Giannis Antetokounmpo is six eleven, probably two sixty. He goes up for a layup and falls on his ass. Leaves the game in game one and can't play today because of pain management. What an embarrassment. Like, NBA... Oh, so, so, my, so, so my question to you, Luke, what's worse? NBA softest puppy poo, uh, softest puppy poo players or soccer softest puppy poo players? Well, there's... Uh, listen, uh, you know... Soccer players are as soft as toilet paper that's in my bathroom. That's uh, so that's it's not even close. Um, you know, NBA is, is NBA is physical to a point, um, but there's nothing like hockey players. It's, it's a really unfair comparison, actually. Like hockey players have always like man, guys like guys get hit in the hit in the face, lose a few teeth. Like like look at look at what you just said. The dude went and got seventy five stitches, and was back in ten minutes. Like. Hockey players are just on the on an upper echelon in terms of just being tough, and that's why that's why man, the Stanley Cup playoffs are always the, the you know one of the best playoffs to watch. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right for up sure. There and it's the hardest, and it's the hardest, and it's the hardest championship to win, in my opinion, the Stanley Cup by far. Yeah. It's because man, you got tough SOBs like that guy who literally should be in the ER for the next three days, but, you know, go and get some quality minutes on the ice. It was crazy. Hey, man, thanks for your time. We'll have you back on uh, Friday, okay? Yeah, man. See you later. Take, take care, man. And uh, I will I told him not to come in today. I was going to take a cheap shot at him saying, hey, he didn't come in because he's scared of the weather, but he wasn't. I just told him to stay home. Ah, All stay right, home. Zinger, we, you're going to have to post that podcast, and i got to drive you home because that's what I do. I look after my friends. Well, I am going to be here, Zinger, at night tonight, so you're oh, not driving me home. Oh, I have to drive home. you home. Yeah. Isn't that great? I see I tried to be nice. It's yeah. too bad for you. That's too bad Gotta for you. Got to pay the bills. You Bye. suck. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, man. Bye.